You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When we take the word Shiva and put it with Ambu, and Ambu is waters of the body. So again, Ambu is water, but it's like cerebral spinal fluid and like other things fall under that. Now there's also Datus and Datus are um, the tissues of the body. So urine and blood can also kind of, they're an Ambu, but they're also a Datu. Like they can kind of move between those two. But in any case, ambu, water, water of the body. So Shiva and ambu, Shiva and water, water of consciousness, water of awareness, holy water, divine water, water of God. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body, from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Drive? AJ here, host and founder of My 7 Chakras, my7chakras.com, your trusted source of ancient wisdom for the modern mind. I'm your host, and today we are stepping off the beaten path to explore a topic that might surprise you or might make you uncomfortable or might give you a sense of distaste as well because the topic is urine therapy. We've grown up with certain beliefs about our bodies and their functions and urine is typically not seen in the most positive light. But what if I told you that what we've been conditioned to dismiss might just be a hidden treasure, an elixir of healing? Our guest today, Megan McDonald, is here to help us break down some of these barriers and venture into this unexplored realm of self-healing, at least unexplored in the West. It's pretty popular in India, actually. Together, we'll delve into the ancient tantric texts, unravel the story of Shiva and Parvati, and shed light on the intriguing science behind urine therapy. You see, many people have the mistaken belief that urine is waste. Waste products are eliminated through the skin, through the lungs, and our digestive system. Now, urine is created directly from the kidneys. 
the function of the kidneys is to balance and filter the blood it's not a byproduct of intestinal work it is a antiseptic fluid containing thousands of elements in fact it may contain many life sustaining elements such as vitamins minerals proteins enzymes hormones antibodies amino acids stem cells and the ions of hundreds of compounds and they're doing more research but not enough research so far but the more research they do the more they discover but the interesting part is that it's written about extensively in ancient texts from india ayurveda the tantric texts the damar tantra as well as it has been practiced in many other ancient civilizations as well leading back to the greek civilization the egyptian civilization and listen to this the atlantean civilization we were coming across many other ancient texts uh, the book of aquarius the wisdom of toth the emerald tablets and what they seem to imply is that urine therapy was very commonplace even back then now i invite you to listen to this episode and only then come to your own conclusion because think about it have you ever wondered why babies have such soft glowing skin or why people from all walks of life are turning to this practice in fact one of our prime ministers from india um morarji desai lived till he was 100 years old and he often looked like he was 15 to 20 years younger than his biological age well he was doing urine therapy we'll explore these themes and many more including the diverse applications of this so called golden nectar the invitation today action tribe is for you to open your ears open your minds and open your heart if this topic calls to you you'll even get to know how to get started now this journey i have said it at the start might push you beyond your comfort zone but i assure you if you listen earnestly there are insights there are realizations waiting for you about your body's inherent healing capacities we've been searching the world for that healing nectar well what if it was just underneath your own nose all this while so let's challenge our preconceived notions and dive deep into this unconventional wisdom join us in this exploration right here on my seven chakras my guest on today's show is megan mcdonald and through a series of serendipities and uh, intuitive downloads i came across a number of people including a number of ebooks and uh, you know stuff online that made me want to learn more and more about this ancient practice that is written about in the ancient texts but also not just india but other parts of the world as well and more and more people around the world are getting fascinated by this practice called urine therapy now i know that you might have an immediate reaction when you hear about urine and hear about people who are using urine including ingesting it for various purposes and so if you are turned off by this then you can just hit pause and skip this episode and listen to the next episode but knowing what i now know about our listeners maybe you're intrigued about this practice and maybe you want to learn a little bit more right no one's forcing you to do it but at least check out this episode and see what you have to say about it welcome megan for those who were new to you and your work 
how would you introduce yourself? Uh, thank you for having me today and for being interested in this practice that is a little different. So to give your listeners a bit, uh, a little taste of like where I've come from, why I'm doing this. Uh, I'm from Prince Edward Island in Canada. I studied theater uh, in and languages. Those were the things I really loved. And in the course of just going through the doors that opened over my life, I ended up heading from theater into event management, into uh, teaching at a university, doing academic work on how what people believe and what they do with their bodies because they believe it. And then that ended up leading me into more of a holistic health realm. And when I, when you look back at all of the things you've done in your life and you think, oh, this is, this is where I got to, it's one of those moments where it makes sense to me that I was always looking for things that combined what we believe in, how we use our bodies to express that, and how we inhabit the body, how the soul is actually inhabiting the body. And so currently, I work with people one-on-one, -on -one, I do courses, I offer workshops, and I teach on urine therapy or shivambu to use the Sanskrit word. And I also work with people in other areas where we're, we're really talking about who are you? Why are you here? Why did your soul come this time? What are you here to do? What's your purpose? And what do you want to do? So for me, the most interesting thing is how can I work with my own body, my own soul, my soul, my, the, the intersection of everything about who I am. So my past lives, my DNA, my ancestry, the quantum fields, all the different things that we now know through physics, through spirituality, all those things. I'm interested in who are you and how does that come together as you? And the most potent practices that I have found are Shivambu urine therapy, and meditation included in that meditation, breath work, yoga, things like that, where you're moving the body. And then something else called the Dalian method. And when I put those together, my life just changes. It's completely different than it was before. And we, you know, there, there's more to that too. But I think that's maybe a good synopsis of a little bit of background and what I'm interested in now. Amazing, amazing. It's fascinating that we're talking about urine uh, therapy and urine practice today. Because if you think about it, whenever you're not well, or the doctor wants to know uh, what's going on in your life, the first thing that he or she says is get a urine sample. Let's test it. Let's find out what's wrong with you. Yet, we have this level of disgust. Like urine, it stinks, it smells. But the doctor's understanding about you and the, the most closest thing you can get to knowing about you is your blood or your urine and of course you know blood is pretty much uh, we have this immediate level of fear and, and grossness when we see blood but we do have some level of <laughs> uh, you know this immediate gut reaction when we think about or look at urine as well which we'll get into but uh, Megan, I want to know from you, how did you discover urine therapy? What was it like in your life? Because I understand that each of us has our own mystical, intuitive, and spiritual experience that led us to urine therapy. 
and I can get into my story after yours. But how did it start for you? Great. Yeah. I was doing yoga teacher training in Vancouver in 2013. And I wasn't from there. And some of the other people in the course mentioned at one point, oh, do you know that our teacher, and her name is Shakti Mai, and she's still teaching yoga, but she's in Israel now. So if you're in that part of the world, you can go work with her directly. They said, you know that our teacher drinks her urine. And somebody else said, oh, yeah, I heard that. But I was, they, they were from Vancouver and they knew her and I didn't. And I th sort of thought, what are they talking about? I've never heard of this. And somebody asked a question during the course. And she said, I don't teach on that in this first level training. If you want to, I do that in the next level training. But if you want to try it, here's my recommendation. And it was February. It was cold. It was the winter. So she said, rub a few drops, just catch a few drops on your fingers and then rub them on the back of your hand every time you go to the bathroom for the next three days. And then compare the two hands. So only rub it on the back of one hand. Now, if you have really perfect moisturized skin, that's not the place for you to rub it. Find somewhere that's dry or that you are looking for a difference. But for me, my hands were so dry and I'd had dry skin my whole life. And I have very typical Celtic, thin, pale, dry skin. And I rubbed it in there for three days and it wasn't hard to do three drops because, you know, we've all, we've all changed a baby's diaper. We've all cleaned out the compost. We've touched things that we, you know, don't want to keep on our hands forever. But a few drops, I noticed it, it absorbed right in. And after three days, when I looked at the two backs of my two hands, it was obvious that the back of my left hand was moisturized, the skin was supple, the color was better, everything about it was happy. And I thought, my body likes this. So every time I went to the bathroom, I would catch a few drops and rub it on the on all over my hands and just keep going. And Shakti had said that urine was sterile. Now, we can get into a discussion about what do we mean by sterile and is that important? But she had implied that you didn't need to wash your hands afterward because the urine was doing something that meant you weren't full of bacteria. There was no problem. So I just started doing that. Now, within two weeks, I thought, well, my face is dry. So vanity for the win, mm. right? Vanity will get you every time. So I started rubbing it on my hands and rubbing it on my face. Well, my face started to change. And for about the next year, I just kept thinking of ways I could use it as moisturizer. And there were very few resources. So like I'd in the shower, I'd get, take salt because I was doing salt scrubs at the time. And I would just mix the salt with the urine instead of mixing salt with oil or salt with something else or just with water. And I would do a salt scrub and exfoliate my body using the urine. And the texture of my skin, the way my skin recovered from things. I started noticing whether it was a cut, a burn, a paper cut, an abrasion, it didn't matter. Mm. My skin was changing and it was happier. So that's how I got started. And that was 2013. So uh, just over 10 years ago. Got it. It feels like life moves in cycles because it was 2013. Now it's 2023, 10 years exactly. And for me, uh, the story was very spiritual because about a month back, I was in this place where I was looking at the mirror and I noticed that my skin in my face was becoming a little bit dry and weird. And so I thought, I thought to myself that I was using creams, but it was not really making that big of a difference. So 
you know, in life, a lot of times, especially for entrepreneurs or somebody that wants to create something, what I notice is we, we try to do so many things, right? We try to do, 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 and try to figure out. But I thought maybe let's try something different. Let me just ask the universe, you know? And so that night, I just, uh, you know, sent a message to God or whoever it was, right, on the other side. And I said, give me some practice that can improve my skin, my skin texture. I need something different or maybe that will heighten my spirituality, right? And so next day, I don't know, one thing led to the other, but I was just perusing ebooks on Google, which I was getting for free, about urine therapy. And the other thing was uh, darkness retreat. Now, darkness retreat, I've known about it for many years, but I haven't done it yet. Then I came across a place, I think in Thailand and Mexico, where they host darkness retreats. But that's a different chapter altogether. And so for me, I listened to some episodes, and one of that was your episode. And I felt that you were articulating urine therapy in a way that was understandable to somebody who's new to this practice. Uh, because it, it can get pretty confusing sometimes. Uh, and so I tried it on my skin. You won't believe it. Within maybe a day or so, the next day, I noticed that the texture on my skin was very different. It was more supple. It was more, what do you call that? Uh, it was just fresh. It was, it was, uh, and yeah. so I thought if I, if that's possible in just one day, what if I keep practicing this, right? I know it might come across as a little bit disgusting. And I was also fearing about the bacteria and this and that. But then I thought, let me just educate myself a little bit more. And so one thing has led to the other, and I have embarked on this practice. And I thought, you know, but there was, there was this spiritual component as well because I got that download. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. And I love that story because um, it's that you were willing to be, to trust what came through. Mm -hmm. And you also did research. You're like, okay, that's an interesting idea, but now I'm going to go do some research. Mm -hmm. And between all of that, there was that sense, all right, what am I going to lose mm -hmm. from trying this? You know, there's, there's lots of people who have, they've bothered to write books. They've bothered to put stuff down and, they also, well, just talking about it in terms of, I can't, this is a really weird thing to talk about. Yeah. And I keep talking about it and I keep talking about it publicly. Mm -hmm. And it's, I'm convinced this makes a difference or I wouldn't keep talking about yeah. it. And it, <laughs> and I wouldn't keep doing this either. So the disgust factor really is a societal thing that we've learned. We learn disgust. Yeah. You think about a baby Babies touch their pee. They also touch their excrement. They have no issue. They'll touch all of it. But we're the ones who say, ooh, dirty, don't mm -hmm. touch. They don't, they don't know that until we tell them that. Yeah. And so there's a this is a this is something that can be overcome. And like I mentioned, for me, the thing was when I saw how my skin liked mm -hmm. it, I went, oh wow. Okay. There's something here that's different. And for the listener who's immediately going, I don't want to smell like pee. 
when urine absorbs into the skin, it doesn't smell. What we smell in the street if a cat pees on concrete, it's that the concrete doesn't absorb the urine and the ammonia off gases. Mm -hmm. And so it's mostly that ammonia smell. And also with babies, people go, but their diapers smell because there's no airflow. Mm -hmm. The diaper seals it and then it's in there. And that's why the ammonia starts to break down because it's sealed. Right. If you think about going for a walk in the forest, there's thousands of animals, mammals, all mammal urine, almost all mammal urine is very similar mm -hmm. in this idea of off like the ammonia off gassing. Yeah. There are thousands of animals peeing every day in the forest and the forest doesn't smell like pee mm -hmm. because the earth absorbs it. And so if you think about your skin, your skin is when it absorbs the urine, you're not going to smell. Right. So just get that one out of the way right away for people going, I don't want to smell funny. I don't smell funny. <laughs> <laughs> and what also caught my attention was, you know, everybody knows that a baby's skin is so fresh, right? Very great yeah. texture, perfect complexion, right? And a baby has spent about nine months or maybe less than nine months floating in what is mostly urine in the amniotic yeah, so side. Yeah, so this is also, yeah, <laughs> this is fascinating. The The first two mm -hmm. months um, when uh, of pregnancy is called early gestation, and the last seven months is late gestation. And in those first two months, the mother's blood plasma goes into the amniotic sac at, at, whenever it forms like we can, at, we're not going to go into the, all the details of like at what stage which pieces of what form yeah. but when there's an amniotic sac the mother's blood plasma goes mm -hmm. into it not not just blood but blood plasma when you hit that about eight weeks it switches the baby starts to be at the baby at this point it's mm -hmm. a fetus it isn't fully formed it doesn't look like it's not viable there's nothing there but they start to pee mm. And urine is filtered blood plasma. So at first you need the mother's blood plasma, but once the baby has its own blood that is circulating in a very small little system and it starts to pee, then that is filtered blood plasma because your blood goes through your kidneys, your kidneys filter your blood from the kidneys directly to the bladder. That's the line. And so it is your filtered blood plasma that is going that it, that is your urine so in a, te a technical medical term is blood plasma ultra filtrate b p that's urine u f okay i remember that <laughs> <laughs> yeah but blood plasma ultra filtrate is your urine mm -hmm. and we as you said like blood can make us queasy and we don't want to see blood outside of our bodies but we've we think blood is like gold yes blood keeps us alive mm -hmm. We prize blood. We we make sure we have blood banks and that we have we can transfuse people who have a problem and that blood, you know, we say blood is thicker than water. Like we have all these sayings around how precious blood is because it's our life force. Mm -hmm. But our kidneys are filtering our blood. And they're filtering. Now people will go, oh, but they're filtering out waste. This is where we've been lied to. Mm -hmm. Lied to. And even that, most people in the medical industry weren't even taught exactly what is going on with urine. Yeah. Because I have nurses and retired nurses who come work with me. And when we go through what's in blood, they go, they never taught us this. Mm -hmm. So it's not that they all know this. It's not taught no. this way. But the 
if you, one of the main things that is easy to understand when we say, what are the kidneys filtering? If you drink a liter of water, like if you just sit down and drink it half an hour later, you're going to have to go to, you're going to pee. What's going on? Your kidney's job is to keep homeostasis in the blood. And that includes how much water is in the Mm -hmm. blood. If you drink a whole liter of water, your, your kidneys are going to go, whoa, that's your, your, that's too much water in the blood. And so the kidneys are going to pull out the excess, not the waste. It's not waste water. It's not bad water. It's excess. And that it's going to go into your urine. In the same way, the kidneys are regulating minerals, hormones, like all the other things that go into your blood. Mm-hmm. And there are thousands of them. And when I say thousands, there is a study at the University of Alberta. It's called the Human Metabolome Study. There's a database. You can access mm-hmm. it. They have been, in 2013, they published a paper. They'd been studying urine for seven years. They had almost 20 researchers on this. And at that point in 2013, they had found 3,100, 3,100 metabolites or chemicals, but that, I say chemicals, these are the chemicals your body produces, yeah. your hormones, your minerals, your all that... 3,100 in 2013. They're up over 4,690 now Mm -hmm. of elements they've found in urine. And this includes basically everything you could buy as a supplement in your local health food store. Right. Can be found in your blood Mm -hmm. and then can be found in your urine. Mm -hmm. Now, when you look at the metabolome study, they're studying blood, cerebral spinal fluid, urine, like uh, the the all the, more than just urine is my point. They're they're doing all these different things, so you can filter that particular database and look at what they found in urine. And if you go online and do a search and say what's in urine, you're going to find somewhere between like five and fifty elements. If you look in a medical textbook, you're going to find between fifty and a hundred elements. Mm-hmm. But the current ongoing study is over four thousand six hundred and ninety. So. This is the part of what we're talking about when we're saying a baby in the womb starts peeing and its urine is part of its growth Mm -hmm. because it has all these building blocks, all these chemicals that it needs in it. And if, let's think about how many times have people said, it's amazing that babies are born at all. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how many, because there's so many intricate things that have to happen to get a human fetus out alive. That's true. If urine were dangerous, wasteful, harmful, or toxic to the human experience, it would not be in the womb with the baby. That would be a massive design flaw. And what happens if the baby does not have enough urine during that period? The fetus, the fetus will die. The fetus will die, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this is when we think about the power of urine, but the word urine is not a great word. We don't like it. So it's like blood, the power of blood plasma ultrafiltrate, the power of Shivambu. Mm-hmm. And Shivambu is another interesting one. I don't know. Have you, did you look into that at all? Have you? Shiva Ambu, right? Looking at, yeah. My, my family actually is a huge devotee of Shiva throughout my life. Mm. I think that was the connection there also, right? But right. when I told my dad about this practice, he's like, just stick to praying to Shiva. <laughs> <laughs> you so don't have to follow everything what, you did what, <laughs> you know <laughs> well 
Shiva also said, shh, don't tell anybody. You did say that, yeah. <laughs> that's part of the Damar Tantra. Shiva said to Parvati, don't tell everybody. Don't tell everybody. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you were to describe, like, what are the attributes of Shiva? Mm-hmm. Based on what I understand, the attributes of Shiva would be uh, consciousness, awareness, stoic- stoicness, um, mm-hmm. and fierceness when required. Yeah, these these were these would be some of the attributes, you know. And so, when we take the word Shiva mm-hmm. and put it with Ambu, and Ambu is waters of the body. Yeah. So again, Ambu is water, but it's like cerebral spinal fluid and like other things fall under that. Now there's also datus and datus are um, the tissues of the body. Mm-hmm. So urine and blood can also kind of, they're an ambu, but they're also a datu. Like they can kind of move between those two. But in any case, ambu, water, water of the body. So Shiva and ambu, Shiva and water, water of consciousness, yeah. water of awareness, Holy water, mm-hmm. divine water, water of God. Yeah, yeah. And the word Shiva. Now, I am not. I am not an expert in any of this. This is not my main field of study. Mm-hmm. I've, I've come at the study of t- going into Sanskrit, going into Ayurveda from urine therapy. Yeah. That's how I have come into it. But how many things did you grow up with where Shiva was attached to it? It's not a word that gets thrown around and put on everything. Is yeah. It? The thing about India is that. As a civilization, over the years, we've sort of become disconnected from our own practices, right? So at a certain mm. point, maybe 300, 400 years back, the center of everything was a temple. So it was not just a place of worship. It was mm. the center of education and and even acted like a bank at sometimes. So everything was around that. And you had the Gurukul where students would spend a lot of time in and around the temple. So um, religion became, it was not really religion, but everything like whether it was Tantra or Ayurveda and practices and Grihasti, which is like, how do you, uh, you know, act as, uh, a, you know, like having a wife and children. So everything was surrounded. Everything was one. It was very holistic. So now I think what mm-hmm. has happened is over the years, we've just focusing on devotion and bhakti, which is we become religious only when we go to the temple, but everything else is normal. Right. So I think as I grew, as I was growing up, I heard all these stories about Shiva and Parvati and Ganesha and Kartikeya. There was this one very nice story that my dad used to tell me a lot of times. And he would say that uh, there was this one time where, um, you know, Shiva said that I've got this mango to his two two sons, Kartikeya and Ganesha. And um, if you are able to go around the world, that kid is going to get the mango. So Kartikeya was like this very smart and agile, nimble kind of kid. He he, 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 he uh, sat on his Garuda, which is his winged uh, pet, and he started, you know, circumnavigating the world. And so Ganesha was a little bit, you know, fat and not that agile and nimble, right? But he was very smart. He's very quick-witted. So he just went around his parents and finished that in like uh, 30 seconds. And Kartika was like tired and he's like, and then he's like, what happened? And so then Shiva said, I'm going to give the fruit to Ganesha. And Ganesha said, I did that because to me, my parents are my world. Mm. All right. So I, I used to get these um, wisdom nuggets. Um, yep. And so it feels like, 
you know, the, uh, for me, life is coming back a whole new circle where I'm getting an opportunity to explore more about mm-hmm. Shiva's life and Parvati's life than I had known before. Beautiful. I love that one. Yeah, yeah. That's And also mangoes coming up in a lot of stories. Oh, really? Okay. In India, just in terms of, um, I studied theater and in the, that was something that, that kept coming up. There was like story, a lot of things were about mangoes, which was interesting. But you have much better mangoes than we do over here. We get the <laughs> ones that get shipped overseas. Yeah, mango is pretty much uh, connected to Indi- India and the ethos of India. Because like uh, even when leaders go and they're giving speeches, they talk about arm because arm means mango, but arm also means ordinary. So Amatmi means a regular individual, you know, so they talk about Mm. them addressing the average individual, but at the same time, Mm -hmm. mango is pretty expensive, right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 So layers of meaning. So just this, so in the, in the Dhammar Tantra, because you'd asked about that, um, there's this 5,000 year old document, it's called the Dhammar Tantra, and it is not very long Mm -hmm. and you can look it up online you can find copies of it and it starts off basically with parvati coming to shiva and saying lord shiva your skin is so beautiful Mm -hmm. you're the you're in such good health what do you do Mm -hmm. and lord shiva goes shh don't tell everybody i drink my (laughs) but it's true don't this is not a secret to be shared with everyone not everyone is ready yeah And so then it goes on from there and Parvati says, so what else can you do with it? And so the Dhammar Tantra, most of it is, uh, what do you want to call them, verses or is it sloka or shlokas Mm -hmm. that where they go through, do, you know, a person who drinks urine for a week or a month will find this or two months or three months or a year or 10 years or whatever. This is the paragon of health that they will be. Or if you combine it with saffron, or if you add these herbs to it, or if you make a tincture, or if you do this, apply it to a wound, use it for meditation. So it's all these different things you can do with it. There are some elements to it that uh, people may read it and think, oh, but it says do this or don't do that. Mm -hmm. And so should I follow these things? And that's one of the pieces I'll say right off the, like now that I say to people at the beginning, when they, when they start talking about urine therapy or wanting to do it, (sighs) overarchingly, there are no rules with urine therapy. It's your urine, it's your medicine, it's your body, but there are suggestions based on people's experience. Mm -hmm. And that's where we get these books that people have written, websites where people talk about it, uh, interviews, the Dhammar Tantra has a lot of good, interesting pieces that are worth investigating. And also it was a different time in history. And there's some things that they say, do this or don't do that. And I've tried some things and some I agree with and some I don't, but it's based on my experience. Mm-hmm. So I would say the same to anybody else who's experience, who's experimenting with urine therapy. Yeah. You have to try it and see what works for you. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And also just to add, Shiva represents to a lot of people, Shiva was the ultimate badass, the ultimate renegade, right? (laughs) He was the person who did not go just based on what society is telling him. He would go based on what he felt was right, even if it meant putting ashes all over your body, living high up in the mountains, 
you know interacting with dead people like not just getting rid of that disgust mm-hmm. that people tend to have i think that was one thing that he did a lot of and he's also known as adi yogi right the first person who created and practiced yoga so i think overall there's a high level of sanctity and uh, respect for for shiva and if i may go as well somebody's listening to this episode there's a good chance that a lot of people might say that's not for me but the people who say let me try there's an element of shiva consciousness in their mind would you yes. say that yes <laughs> absolutely i like that mm-hmm. um yeah bec- i'm the more you're talking about that it makes sense that somebody who says i'm going to do things i'm going to try things myself yeah. i'm going to see what works and i'm don't care if society agrees with me yeah that 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 badass element is nice yeah so you went one year without really ingesting or actually you know taking in the urine right so it was mostly it was external it was about uh let me see it was from february until i started drinking it in roughly september okay so six months six months so how was that journey like what made you actually want to try it and then how did you gather a little bit more information so that you felt confident enough to actually ingest it yeah so I, six months later, after doing the, the first one, the first training, I was then in Israel doing the second level yoga training, like the 300 hour training with Shakti again. Okay. And she spent a whole day on urine therapy and talking about you know, a little bit about its roots, where it came from, what it does for the body, why it's, why it's good for us and why it was something that it, people found disgusting. And that disgust was absolutely something that was taught Mm -hmm. as well so she touched on that piece too and there was a i had been trying to drink my urine for months trying i had a little shot glass in the bathroom and i would just like just a little bit just put a little bit in and i couldn't do it and i kept thinking what what is this why can't i do this but it just it wasn't i wasn't ready okay and during the 300 hour training we had a five-day weekend um it was a hol- long holiday in, in Israel at that point. And she had talked about this would be a good time to do a fast of some kind oh, okay. or to, you know, just withdraw a bit mm-hmm. into your senses. And for whatever reason, and maybe it was partially because I was doing the yoga. I was, it was hot. I was eating mostly salads. Your urine changes completely when you're eating mostly fresh, light things mm-hmm. and not salty, all that sort of stuff. So I don't remember the day. This is the thing that's interesting. I don't remember the actual first day I did it, but I know that what happened was I started drinking all of it. I went from like nothing to drinking all of it <laughs> for three days. Yeah. And I got every symptom of every cold I've ever had. Oh, you got I it. I got okay. a full blown healing crisis or healing opportunity, mm-hmm. depending on how you want to put it. And, but inside, like in my core, there was part of me that was going, you're fine. You're fine. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. There's, you're absolutely okay. Yeah. Just go with it. Keep going. It's going to be all right. Mm-hmm. So, and when I say cold, like it was like my nose was running. My throat felt like sandpaper. I had a sinus headache. My eyes hurt. My bones hurt. My skin hurt. My muscles were sore. Like everything. It was just like, I probably had a low fever. It was like every symptom of every cold yeah. all at once. 
And then I, after about three days, I, I just, I pulled back on how much I was drinking of it. And I found a few emails I sent at the time. So I know that even five days later, seven days later, I'm like, I've been sick all week. Like I, it, it was a, I, I didn't feel good for a few days. Did you feel like you made a but mistake? That has never happened again. No, no, not you knew at all. It, you this expected. was part of what was so interesting. Right, right, right. Yeah. I didn't know that would happen. And that's one of the things about urine therapy. I can't tell any person what's going to happen when they dive into mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Because everyone's body's going to do something different. Yeah. And I had been putting it all over my body for six months when I first drank it. And what I got was a healing crisis around these cold symptoms. Oh. And as I said, that's never happened again. Never. Okay. And I don't know anybody who's come to me and said this, like the exact same thing happened to me, Megan. However, a lot of people do get a head cold. And part of what's going on is that urine is like a magnet in the body and it pulls inflammation out. Mm -hmm. And if you think of a cold, when you're, when you have a cold, the tissues, the, uh, your sinus tissues get inflamed and mucus gets produced and the mucus is a sign that there's inflammation going on. And the mucus is trying to encapsulate things to move it out of your right. body. And so a lot of people will find when they start drinking urine, that mucus comes out somewhere. Now that can be your nose, your eyes, your ears, through diarrhea. Like basically any hole in the body is fair game. Mucus could start coming uh -huh. out for drinking a lot of urine. However, it doesn't have to. Here's the other thing. This is you and your body and your relationship. And this is one of the reasons that we say go slow. There are no rules. Mm -hmm. But going slowly with urine often means that people don't have a healing crisis. Right. For a very long time with it. But urine will pull out the old things. Mm -hmm. Urine will go hunting. So if you do start drinking it, or if you do start doing more and more and more practices, and then something happens, like a rash comes up on the skin, or you start, like your, your nose just runs for a week with all this stuff coming out, don't be surprised. Mm -hmm. Because what your body will understand is when you start using your own urine, your body will go, oh, you're going to use it. Great. Let's clean house. Yeah, that's true. I, so far, have received like a little bit of rash, but that went away. Sometimes when I have it in the morning, I, I get a little bit diarrhea. I'm not sure if that's that's mm -hmm. typical. Uh, but yep. overall, my body is welcomed it. It's accepting it. Uh, and I, like, you know, there are some experiences you have in life where you don't forget it ever, right? Um, multiple ex examples of this, maybe, <laughs> you know, the first time you had a kiss, the first time you had, like, for example, plant medicine, or the first play time you went to a different country, like things... They just, you know, remain in our memory. And I remember the first time I had urine. This was about a, maybe three to four weeks back. It was the afternoon. And I was like, let me just go with it, you know, because I'm the kind of guy who likes to try out different things. So I said, let me just go with it because I felt I was ready. And I noticed that shift in my skin texture. And that was the most surreal, intimate experience I've had. Because that was like ingesting myself it sort of reminded me of the yes. quetzalcoatl you know the serpent uh bird mm. that they talk about in you know mexico and sort of south america as well where the snake itself eats its tail and it you know the cycle keeps going uh and so yeah. it was so 
intimate but at the same time it wasn't disgust it wasn't maybe because i had some water before that during the day so mm-hmm. i'd say what it tasted it was like a little bit little way mildly salty but also almost like coconut water that's what they say right yeah but then that sort of that was it it overcame my disgust and then i wanted to try out different things and read more because i've been reading a lot of ebooks and sort of educating myself in this space i've also downloaded an ebook yeah. uh, sorry audible by Kohn Vandekroon yes yeah, so that was also that's also pretty good so far yeah that's the the fountain um the golden fountain the golden yeah, fountain yeah 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 that's that book yeah yeah nice so actually yeah you asked about about how did i end up feeling like i could do this and yeah. part of it was just being around shakti okay but and and trusting because she'd been doing it for 30 years okay. when i met her right and she was at that point like 52 and looked like she was 40 and okay. was glowing and her skin was amazing and her hair was fantastic and everything like it just she she was a very good advertisement for let, at least try it mm. you might not do it forever but try this yeah um and then I went to bookstores. There's a great bookstore in Vancouver, Banyan mm-hmm, Books. Yep. And they have a lot of, like, the, just the stuff you wouldn't find that's on health, esotericism, philosophy, the, like mysticism, stuff yep. like that. And they had a few books. And when I said, do you have books on urine therapy? They didn't go white and look at me like I was crazy. They knew it. So that was, that was helpful. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't crazy. Right. Um, but now, with it's just changed so much. Mm-hmm. Like you can, the fact that you could find like a lot of books, there's a scan. You were saying you were finding free PDFs yeah. because people have scanned these books and yeah. they're not the highest quality PDF you're ever going to find, but you can buy the book. If you get this PDF and you want it, then you can go buy the book. Yeah. So it's a great way for people to get their, uh, to try it, to test it, to see what, like, why, why did people write these books? And We've talked a lot about like why you would do it, why it's not dangerous. You know, babies in the womb, every single human being on the planet has been in a bath of their own urine, drunk it through their nose, taken it in through their mouth, down into their yeah. lungs. We've all done it. It's not new to our body. Yeah. It's only new to our mind. And the mind is the thing we have to overcome. Because so we've talked about that. That's fine. But why are we doing it is the other part. What's the health benefit? Mm-hmm. What is the... Overall, and you just touched on it when you said you were taking yourself into yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that is one of the key pieces here of people in society now. We're so drained. We're tired. We are overwhelmed. And we feel like our energy is being pulled in all these directions all the Mm -hmm. time. When we start drinking our own urine, we're not just putting back in elements like chemicals metabolites hormones whatever that we ate or our body produced we are it's almost like we're filling up the tank of ourselves because urine is a blueprint it's an etheric well and physical because it's a 3d substance blueprint of where we are at that moment who we Mm -hmm. are so it is our emotion the frequency the vibration of our emotional state of our thoughts of our, um, well, our physical state as well, but also our spiritual state. Mm-hmm. Are we in love or joy? Are we in angst and anger? What's going on with us? And so at any moment, the urine is a representation of who we are. And when we put it back in, our body's always trying to produce the highest quality urine it can. Mm-hmm. 
when we start to drink it, the body goes, oh, they're paying attention. Mm -hmm. And it starts producing nicer urine. So the first urine you drink will never be the nicest urine Mm -hmm. you drink. That's true. It will only get better as you take the feedback. People have said repeatedly, over the past two years, I have ended up coaching a huge number of people because I joined a community and the woman who uh, led the community, she jumped on board. And so all of her people jumped on board. And I've been able to work, had the honor to work with all these people who started. Mm-hmm. And they they have said it was easier to stop drinking alcohol because the urine didn't taste good. It was easier to stop eating fried food, right. junk food, sugar, all of these things that they had felt they were addicted to or they struggled to let go of when they were drinking their urine and paying attention to it. They were like, I don't want to eat that tonight because I don't want to taste it tomorrow morning. That's true. That, that that's true because when i have pineapples and yes. oranges and uh, mangoes the urine tastes really good like very pristine and then when you yeah. have a lot of meat and when you have like some processed sugar it'll taste a little bitter so despite you yeah. having bad habits with food slowly if you're committed to the urine practice you're automatically going to move away from bad and towards things that are nourishing and good for your body, right? Because you know, at the end of the day, you're going to have to, you know, taste the, taste taste yourself and taste what's gone into you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also that the urine is a, it's, it's like a distilled water. Right. It has been, it has been filtered through your kidneys. So the state of urine, it's, it's also been called like the fourth phase of water in that it is, Now, this depends on where your body's at and what's going on. But people who have done a lot of urine therapy and eat a a generally healthy diet, most often their urine is alkaline. Mm -hmm. And it has a negative ion charge. What does negative ion charge mean? It means that it gives electricity. It has has an electric charge. And when we put it in the body, our body can accept that electric Mm -hmm. charge. So why do we walk in the woods? It is because the woods helps to take the positive charge that we get all day from interacting with machines and being inside and it restores a more negative charge to Mm -hmm. the body walking along uh water especially salt water restores a negative charge to the body urine has a negative charge so we ourselves can work on restoring a negative charge to the body um a very simple way is like people talk about oxidization Mm -hmm. When something has a positive charge, it is oxidizing yeah. as well. So it, this is about aging. Like urine is an anti-aging thing. And one of the biggest things people say to me is now, I, I think I, even at nine, I think I looked young. It's not, I'm someone who's always looked younger than I was, but that's one of the biggest things mm. is people are surprised at my skin and how old I look. Urine is an anti-aging piece and it's free. Yeah, I remember growing up, uh, my mom telling me that one of our prime ministers used to drink urine every morning. That was was Modi. No, not Modi. I don't know. Maybe he does it, is but it? he's not. He's he's not that vocal. Okay. Maybe <laughs> because he wants to. Okay. Right now is an important phase. Uh, but Morarji Desai was mm. one prime minister, okay. and it was back in the nineties. My mom told me almost as a joke that he drinks his urine every morning. But you can't reject the fact that he lived till ninety nine. And he lived like a lot of people right. used to say he looked much younger than his age, right? And he was, because of his, he was in a position of power. I think he 
became a guest at a lot of these different organizations in India that were talking and advocating about urine. And I think he played a major role in its spreading, in helping people remember, because <laughs> it's not something new, right? But especially no. in a place where it was really hard to get pharmaceutical medicines and stuff like that. Urine was then playing a role in helping people stay healthy, stay supple and young and active and energetic, right? Which is all, which is something yeah. we all want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and cow urine is still revered. Yeah. Cow, cow mutra um, in India. Again, like people will use cow yeah. urine for different medical applications and you can get supplements for cow urine on, on Amazon. Yeah. Like it's, it's, that is still a very known thing. Whereas it's the the human urine aspect is the one <laughs> that has sort of, you know, gone out of style, so to speak. But this is the, this is what's so interesting that even in my time of doing this for the last decade, and when I started, I didn't say that much about it. I didn't tell everybody right away. I was testing it. It's my experiment. Yeah. But over time, when I noticed what was happening and that how I get sick changes, my energy levels, my skin, my hair, my nails... Uh, my overall need for other things. I used to be somebody who needed snacks all the right. time. I had a bag with me every day. I needed to know where I was getting my next meal. I had to have snacks with me. I was going to get hangry and, and irritated and have, you know, cramping if I didn't eat. Yeah. And I stopped needing to have food all the time. Exactly. That's very true. You know, my need... And my need for food went down. So actually, a couple of years ago, I went from three meals to two meals, and my body did it itself. I was not interested in yeah. this. I loved eating three meals a day. Yeah. But the urine itself started supplementing what I needed. Exactly. I noticed that too. When you have urine, you're, you're not that hungry. Because I've been doing intermittent fasting the last six years. I don't have my breakfast. I jump straight to lunch and I have my lunch typically at one o'clock. But when I have my urine, I notice one o'clock also, I don't really need to eat. And the funny part is yeah. my, my friend is a doctor. He's an MD. And when he heard that I was doing like a three-day fast, he wanted to try it out as well. And he's been like, it's so amazing. The, the fasting is so amazing. He wants to go more into it. And I'm going to like, yeah. I'm going to layer it on. I'm going to slowly tell him about <laughs> urine. Because I think he, he might, uh, because he's an open-minded kind of doctor. And I think the more we're able to get doctors and nurses to adopt yes. these practices, the better it is, right? Because like you pointed out, a lot, a lot of doctors know about it. When doctors hear about mm -hmm. cholesterol, they'll be like, why you have extra cholesterol? But if you watch some YouTube videos, we'll understand that not all cholesterol is the same and not all LDL is also the same, right? So, so sometimes we yeah. find that the patients are a little bit more informed. At least they know what questions to ask rather than just blindly accepting what the doctors say, right? Yeah. And this is, this is what we find in the books. And this is also to say every single individual, when I say, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. The, a lot of the books on urine therapy are there because someone had a huge healing, like cancer yeah. was yeah. healed. Endometriosis was healed. Tumors were healed. Um, eyesight was, you know, uh, improved hearing improved. Yeah. Um, people have gangrene has has gone away when people have used urine on the skin. So the stories in these books are amazing. But for your average person, like again, I haven't had a miraculous mm -hmm. healing in in like 
in that sense of like people come and they say, if I, I have this or my son has this or my cousin has this or my friend has this yeah. disease or problem, will it cure it? Mm-hmm. Will urine do it? And all we can say is your, your body's always going to try to heal what's going on. Yeah, that's true. Is this thing going to heal in you right now? I don't know. Because the body will also decide what it's going to do in what order. Mm -hmm. So I put urine on my skin. My skin got moisturized. That's pretty easy. But I started drinking it and I had all these cold symptoms come out. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, so you you have to kind of say what's going to happen. I know people who have had black mold come out of their ears. Yeah. And people whose skin has gotten way worse before it got better. And they had to deal with their face not looking good for a year. Yeah before it healed. So it's not that urine is going to do what you want it to do. It's going to do something and it's going to do what it and the like the body you you as an entity thinks is the next best thing to do. Yeah. Shakti, my teacher would always say urine goes hunting. Yeah. If you start drinking it, you're telling the urine go hunting, go find the old stuff. Mm-hmm. And bring it to the surface. Yeah. So yeah, and you have to be ready for it too. But it is, on the other hand, I'm like, I can't, I can't imagine not using it. If I get a cold, I gargle with it. It's way better for sinuses and, and neti mm-hmm. instead of nettying with water. Using urine enemas with urine are completely different. I don't feel like I've been dried out. A lot of people find they do enemas and that their their microbiome mm-hmm. in their gut gets disturbed. Yeah. And the urine, the urine seems to maintain the microbiome. Yeah. It is your microbiome. Yeah, that's true. There was this one time where I was feeling kind of tired a couple of weeks back. So I just uh, soaked some urine in some napkins and some towels. And I put my leg on it for like 10 minutes. And I felt so energetic when I came up. And this was not, this is not placebo. Because I know the difference between soaking my legs in water versus doing this. And I'm going to try it more often. But. It's sort of like an investigation, right? You try out different things and see what works and be honest and authentic with yourself to find out, am I really just, you know, thinking it or is it really happening, right? So you might have to try it multiple times and see, you know, what works for you. Yeah. Have you done a foot soak? This was my version of a foot soak, but I'm actually going to get like a proper place where I can soak my legs in. This was like a foot soak attempt, I guess. (laughs) Okay. So one of the things that I've done is I take two plastic bags yeah. that like Ziploc yeah. and I put the urine in the Ziploc. I zip it up to the, my, my yeah. ankle and I put it on a cookie sheet with a towel so it doesn't okay. drip. And then I do that. Right. And then I have little bags and I just slide them back under the couch when I'm done. And I, I use it for a while until I'm ready to yeah. change what's in the bags. But I mentioned the foot soak and the legs are amazing. But again, because all your nerve endings mm. come to your feet. Yeah. So when you soak your feet, you're bathing your nervous system yep. as well. The other thing I decided to throw as an example is that you know, my mother is in her 70s and she's had shingles. She had some cancer treatments. And since the cancer treatments, she's had shingles repeatedly. And the only thing that has removed the pain of the shingles yeah. is putting urine on it. That's so true. Like in, a, in like a compress mm-hmm. and keeping it on overnight. And she now tells her friends, she she's not interested in doing the rest of it, but she knows <laughs> that this will take away the pain. 
Yeah, this might sound crazy, but it's so true. Uh, the other day I went to the beach. I sort of uh, got a little cut on my leg, and then when I came home, I put some urine on it, and I can't see it. Like in after half an hour, like after a couple of hours, it's like completely properly yeah. sealed. The other day I was having some tooth toothache, pain in my tooth. I just gargled with some urine, pain gone in like ten minutes. Right. So all these stories are not just random. There has to be some thing that is happening in there which is causing all these people to write books and yourself as well practicing all these years and myself uh practicing for a month but i'm still noticing shifts um so it's it's really interesting i wanted to ask you uh talk to me about um the process of urine therapy looping and how things like vaccines or for that matter homeopathy is actually in a way mimicking what's happening in looping if you may so looping is the pr- the practice of drinking all your urine every day so what comes out goes in so you create a loop everything right it's like you okay. everything yeah or you know it might maybe it's 95% okay. whatever like but it's the idea that almost you just you loop it back mm-hmm. in you could also call it upcycling, mm-hmm. like it's you're putting it back through the system. Yeah. And you can also do sip looping, where instead of drinking all of it, you take at least a sip every time yeah. you go to the bathroom. Yeah. Okay. And part of the idea is that whether you're looping everything or you're sip looping, whatever your body just created, you're putting it back in to tell your body, this is what you just created. And if your body was creating something that had a specific antibody in it to fight a specific pathogen that's in your body at that time, a virus, a bacteria, a fungus, whatever, then you're giving that information back to your system. So it is an information communication tool that your body is using with you to do this. So looping when you get into it starts to, and this is, Like the first time that I had the healing crisis, when I started drinking, I was looping. That's exactly what happened is I started looping all of it. And the, the urine, then the, the X, the extra that was in there, it's went, it went and found things. Now I also think of it as washing the cells Uh because you have this highly, highly um, effective water because it hydrates distilled water hydrates better than anything else like tap water or any other like i don't know reverse osmosis or pick all the different things people charge money for for their for the water mm-hmm. but urine is a distilled water that you're producing and i now find that if i'm thirsty i can drink water but it's not quenching my thirst mm-hmm. if i drink urine then i feel this shift i'm not thirsty anymore yeah. So there's a real difference in the layer, the level of hydration that we're used to. So when you start drinking and looping it, you're, you're giving your body the signal, hydrate deeply, Mm -hmm. Uh, take in, I want you to produce more high quality urine. So I, I want you to really absorb all this in. Take the information. What do I need more of? What do I need less of? Uh, where's the balance in my system right. today? And the urine is, as we already talked about, it's your blood. So your blood is your life force. It's your energy. And so when you start drinking a lot of urine, you're pulling in huge amounts of 
energy and that we can think of it as prana or chi, depending on which tradition you're used to hearing that from, but it starts rejuvenating your whole system. Mm-hmm. And this is that. So that's one of the benefits of looping. And when, when I'm fasting now, this is the only way I came to fast. I could never no. fast before. I thought I would never fast. Right. And now I can, I can decide partway through the day. Oh, I'm just not going to eat. I'm just going to drink my urine for the rest of the day. Yeah. And I don't get hungry and I don't get brain fog and I don't get irritable because yeah. I'm getting everything I need. Awesome. So, uh, so Megan, in terms of uh, the time of the day, morning urine or afternoon or evening for somebody getting started, uh, what would you recommend? Or how did you get started? I started, I was so, again, you read the books and the books are going to say a couple things or yeah, you'll, and the Dhamma Tantra says too, it says first morning urine is very potent. Your body's been producing it all night. Mm. It's full of great stuff. However, it's also probably going to be the most potent, stinkiest. Uh, if it's going to smell like anything, that's the one that's going to smell. Now, once you get going, urine doesn't like your morning urine can be beautiful mm. and like coconut water too. But my general advice to people is if you're just starting, drink some urine late morning or early afternoon after you've had a lot of water or some herbal tea or you've had fruit or something like that. Because that's the urine that's going to be, as you said, really lovely mm-hmm. and and taste like the fruit or, or be very nice to have to, to drink. That's for starting. Just have... Take the urine that you can handle. Don't worry about whether it's first morning or a specific time of day. Your urine is always medicine. Mm-hmm. So that's basically, in that sense, drink it when you want. And if you're having trouble and you think, I really, really want to try this, but I just can't, then take advice that you already mentioned. Eat pineapple or papaya. Mm-hmm. Uh, those The enzymes in those make everything taste so much better. Drink coconut water. Like actually buy some coconut water and drink that and then wait two hours and, and try your urine. Those, those That would be my advice. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I was reading recently some research about them finding stem cells in urine as well. Yes. And I guess part of that is also the anti-aging therapy, right? Yeah. So your urine is full of stem cells. There was a study out of China, I get then, I think it was 2013, where they had actually used the stem cells in urine to grow a a tooth. Mm. To grow a tooth. To grow Mm -hmm. a tooth. And there's more. Again, if you go into... Google Scholar or PubMed or things, and you put in stem cell urine, you will find lots of studies about the stem cells in urine. Yeah. So you're getting stem cells, antibodies, hormones, minerals, vitamins, like everything. Yeah, Everything's in there. So somebody listening to this episode might be thinking, oh, this is a new age practice. This is something that people now are doing. But could you talk a bit about how this is actually a very ancient practice from around the world. Do you have any stories that uh, relate to how people were using urine? Not just in India, maybe in other places also. Yeah, absolutely. In, there are some of the uh, writings from Buddhism. There are specific quotes where Buddha gives advice Mm -hmm. and says, you only need, now I'm going to, I'm going to forget. I don't have the quotes up in front of me, Um, but it's something like you only need five things to follow the path of enlightenment 
it's like you need your your robes you need your um alms food like you need to go and like have something to collect food in when you ask for food in the street um and you there were like two two more and then he says and your aged urine and this is part of the path to enlightenment, mm-hmm. that this is what you need. So Buddha was actually pointing toward this is a key spiritual practice mm-hmm. that you should be engaged with. Right. Um, then we go to all around the world, old practices using urine to tan leather, to uh, whiten cloth, mm-hmm. that urine would be like whether you go to South America, to Australia, to different places on the African um, continent, you're going to find old traditions where urine was used to preserve things, change things. Like those are more object focused and not person focused, but the knowledge about urine is there. Anecdotally, I've heard from people who have traveled all over the world and come back and say they were, they were in a village and somebody you know, exactly like they, they hurt their foot and somebody said, put urine on mm-hmm. it. Uh, we've all heard the story of if you get bitten by a sea, uh, was it a sea urchin or by you know different types of jellyfish, you're supposed to pee on it. Mm-hmm. So this has stayed in our collective memory. Right. But even in Germany in the 1950s, they were still collecting urine to use in hotels to whiten sheets mm-hmm. because the ammonia it's natural ammonia that gets produced and that will help whiten things. A friend of mine who is in her forties, her grandmother. So her grandmother would have been born in the, you know, probably early 1900s. She advised, so the knowledge was still alive at that point, a very alive to say um, that her, when she had a baby, her grandmother said to her, Oh, take the baby's wet pee, like just with pee on it, diaper and rub it all over the baby's skin. Mm. Put the urine back all over the baby yeah. was the advice. So Germany is still a very open country in terms of urine therapy. They still know a lot. Um, China has millions has been the the, uh, the the number, the percentage that people are talking about of people who drink their urine. Yeah. In China, it's a it's a big, very well-known thing. So it's one of those, like every indigenous culture on the planet figured out that urine was good for them or or helpful to do things with. It's just most of those cultures didn't write it down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was something that people understood. Yeah. Yeah. There is one story that I heard where I think this was somewhere in Siberia or something like that, where the entire village, the entire village would not consume the magic mushrooms. It would be only the shaman who would consume the magic mushrooms and then they would urinate and then people would drink the urine so that they don't have to go into this multi-hour psychedelic experience, but they still get the transformative qualities diluted maybe or enhanced through the urine. Mm. That's what. Yep. I, that, that's a great one. I, I know people who do um, work with mushroom yeah. plant medicine and that they will on purpose, drink it back and have a second and it won't be the same as you say, like it's not the same as the first time because it's been metabolized by your body already. Yeah. And so there it comes out. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about, Um, sorry, please go ahead. You were saying something? No, no. 
I, I was wanting to explore now if urine therapy is so good, if the uh, elders and the ancients were regularly consuming urine and knew the various applications of it, what happened, you know, down the line? Why is it not mainstream right now? And why do people don't recommend it? Or have you forgotten? Mm. There's two aspects to this that are, are what I have read about, talked about, my teachers talked about. Mm. And one is that uh, humans like to be in control. Mm-hmm. And all along the way, one of the ways that we control our group, whoever we belong to, is we say, we're group A, we do these things. Group B over there, they're disgusting. We're not like them. We don't do what they do. And that could be that group over there eats fish and we don't like fish. Mm -hmm. So they're disgusting because they eat fish, right? Pick your thing in terms of eating, touching, engaging with, what rituals do they do? And so urine is an easy one to say, oh, they're dirty. They they consume or they use this thing that comes out of the body. So part of it is about control. It's about controlling society and groups of people and saying, you don't want to be left out. You don't want to be, you know, if, if, if you drink your urine, then you're not one of us and we're going to kick you out of the village and you're going to die, mm-hmm. basically. So it's going back to that set, that fear of de- death that we all have. Yeah. And then the other piece is that, and again, this is, this is anecdotal. Like I don't, nobody's done a, big research paper on this or anything. But if you go back to when did, when in the history of everybody on the planet that we know of, Mm. when did we start to say, you have to go to the doctor to get the medicine and the doctor has a pill. Mm. Like there were always medicine people who would work with plants and maybe they had an oil or they had a tea or they had something like that. But that was based on what they could produce in a year. They weren't feeding an entire continent from one person's kitchen. Right. It was always local. Medicine was local. Yeah. How we worked with our health was very much about our village, our group, the people who we knew who could help us. The traditions that we had based on where we lived, whoever we were. Yeah. And in the last 200 years, we've changed that. Mm-hmm. We now have medical doctors. This is a new, a very new form of medicine in human history. And then we have pharmaceuticals. And while there are lots of pharmaceuticals that are wonder drugs, and if you break your arm and your bone is sticking out through your skin and there's a chance of infection... Sorry, I'm just going to... Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Please go ahead. No problem. So if you break your arm and your bone's sticking out through your skin and there's a chance of infection, penicillin is a wonder drug. It will help your body fight off a really problematic infection Mm -hmm. however urine i've discovered for me i can't again i can't speak for everybody but i can say that for me i have been able to help my body do what it needed to do with every type of infection cut bruise issue that has come up in the last 10 years i've been pretty much able to do everything myself Mm. with urine. And so I am no, unless there was a specific reason, like what I just mentioned, where I need penicillin, 
I don't need pharmaceuticals anymore. Mm-hmm. And so that is a, you can understand that the, the amount of money that is made by the pharmaceutical industry, they don't want to tell people drink your urine, it's going to help you. Because mm-hmm. they're not going to make money and you can't make money off of urine therapy in in that sense of my urine's best for me. Yeah. Now, if someone else can't pee for whatever reason, mm-hmm. we have discovered that when anybody can drink anybody else's urine, if they have to, because there's nothing else available. Yeah. Or if you're stuck in the desert and somebody can't, they've run out of pee, they've got nothing left and they're thirsty, give them your pee. It's water. Like they're going to be able to drink it and live. They won't die from dehydration. Right. And your urine isn't going to hurt them. But ultimately, you can't, I can't make money off of my urine. It's mine. Mm-hmm. It's best for me. Yeah. And that's part of it too. You can't sell it. And I remember your question about the homeopathic element. Yeah. This is part of what's going on in urine is that the, you're not just getting a thing. And this is where people get into this whole waste thing. Like what if it's toxic? What if there's something bad for me in there? But there's this element that by the time it goes through your body, and get synthesized by your organs, it gets bound to other things. It's not like a free form, tiny little atom of vitamin C is floating through your system, not interacting with anything. It interacts with everything. Mm-hmm. And by the time it then gets into your blood, it gets filtered by your kidneys in a filtration system that is so complex that we have not been able to replicate it outside of the body. Mm-hmm. This is a highly sophisticated filtration system that by the time it gets to your urine, your urine is probably cleaner than your blood. Mm-hmm. So with the dosage that you're getting in your urine at any one time of the thing that you need is what your body has decided is best for you. Mm-hmm. And you're getting small amounts of things continually. So in that sense of the homeopathic thing, like if I'm sick and I drink my urine back, I'm not going to make myself sicker. Mm -hmm. I'm going to help my body fight the thing I'm putting back in. Mm -hmm. The body is going to get a little bit more of it and go that, oh, that's the thing you want me to fight. Right. Put my effort over there. People have also said like when they've, there's lots of great stories. um, A couple goes out for dinner. They both get food poisoning. One of them drinks their urine and sleeps through the night and stops throwing up. The other vomits all night because they refuse to drink their urine. Mm -hmm. So the toxin, the quote toxin that's in the food poisoning, when they drink their urine, they're not re-poisoning themselves. They're telling their body, this is the thing you have to fight. Mm -hmm. The antibody is already in the urine. Mm -hmm. God, just give me a quick, Second, I'm just going to mute my phone so ensure it doesn't happen again. Uh, yeah, but that is that is something powerful because I think a lot of people around the world are realizing, especially after the pandemic, that there are certain large groups that are not working in their interest. And like you pointed out, urine is not very uh, financially lucrative. But the good thing is urine is your own personal medicine in a world where we take a medicine that is prescribed standard to like thousands and thousands of people, which might or might not work for you. And if you read the seals, you've got like 10 side effects that honestly are scary. And so what I found is the way that people 
can dissuade large groups of people from doing something is either by convincing them that that group of people are disgusting or crazy. That's why they turn them conspiracy yeah. theorists, right? And so they encourage you to not even inquire for yourself to investigate and maybe they're disgusting maybe they're crazy but then you've not found it out for yourself right and in a world where you know you have your own pharmacy within that's not very profitable right if you find out that what you were looking for has been right underneath your own nose literally uh that's not that's not very profitable for a lot of people and so that's why i thought of doing this podcast because i feel that this message needs to really go out in whatever manner possible yes i could have waited for five years or six years and completely established that it's good for me but in the short amount of time that i've tried it i love it and i'm benefiting from you know your experience also because you've done it for so many years right so i think this is a very very powerful topic i wanted to now this part is a little bit more advanced let's talk a little bit about sure. the uh, evolved or aged urine what exactly it is and how is it different from fresh urine so there's a book of, of all the books i also just wanted to make sure i remembered so martha christie your okay. own perfect medicine is one of the pdfs that's free online um, she has a great write-up, but she has medical studies. Mm -hmm. And so when you just mentioned side effects, one of the things that she found by putting studying hundreds and hundreds of uh, medical studies was there were no side effects when they did studies using urine on people. Mm -hmm. There were no negative side effects. So that's, first of all, just a huge thing. It doesn't mean urine isn't powerful. It's incredibly powerful. But it's not like it's not going to have to come with a bunch of, of labels on it. John Armstrong's book, to get to the evolved conversation, mm -hmm. John Armstrong is another book. It's called The Water of Life. It's the first, it's the oldest known book that I know in English that was written about urine therapy. Um, and he helped hundreds and hundreds of people between the First World War and like the 1950s mm -hmm. who came to him because he was, gonna, he was dying of tuberculosis and he didn't die. And so people went, what'd you do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you're still here. Right. What did you do? How come you're still here? And he talks in his book. This is when I first heard about Evolve because my teacher didn't mention aging urine. Mm. But here it is in his book. People would come to him on death's door. And alongside putting them on a diet of drinking water and their own urine or just their own urine sometimes, he would get, he and the, whoever helped him, they would take the person's urine and rub their whole body multiple times a day. They would massage the entire body with urine. And that is one of the things that he said was the most helpful to help people recover was this putting it in through the skin everywhere. But he would say, age it. Mm -hmm. And his definition of age was minimum four days old. Okay. Now at four days, urine is smelly. Mm -hmm. Urine generally will smell off gas. And we're talking about ammonia, but there's probably other compounds, organic compounds that are also off gassing that don't smell great. Mm -hmm. 10 to 14 days has been my experience is when the, it really smells. And after those 10 to 14 days, it calms down. Yeah. Every single jar of urine is going to be different. And just like how I said before, the first urine you drink is not ever going to be the nicest. Yeah. The first urine you age is never going to be the nicest okay. one that you do. And we can call it aged because we're aging it, or we can call it evolved or fermented. There's different things we could put to it. 
But basically, you just gather some fresh urine, ideally in something that's glass, so not plastic if you have some, but it can be, it doesn't have to be big. It can be a like a small, yeah. any glass jar that you have. And ideally, it's exposed to the air, but not open for bugs. So you put a cloth on top of it. Now that can be a Kleenex, a tissue, a paper towel. It can be a cut up cotton t-shirt mm-hmm. with an elastic band around it. And you leave it. You don't put a metal cap on it. You leave it open to the air so the air will move and that will get, that will let it start to age. What do we mean? And, and what are we talking about? What we have seen, and again, I've been doing this for, it will be five years in August or September that I first started trying this process because I first drank it in October of 2018. Okay. And it was over a month old. So I know I must have started putting it in bottles in August or September in order to have it be over a month old in October. And all by itself with no, nothing added to it, not doing anything to it. It can be in the sun. It can be in your room. It can be in a fridge. It can be in a closet. It can, whatever. It starts to change. Mm -hmm. It starts to develop a, often there'll be sort of a sediment at the bottom And there can also be a film on top. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's one, sometimes there's the other, sometimes there's both. Unless your urine, unless your diet's extremely clean and you've been doing all sorts of spiritual practices for a long time, there will be some sediment. The only times I've had almost no sediment is when I've been in a highly fasted state and only eating fruit or eating nothing. And that's when the urine has no, my urine has no sediment, no film. Okay. So that's, that's natural. That's normal. But think about it. The urine is by itself. And what is it doing? It's pushing. It's cleaning. It's putting things to the top and to the bottom. So it is in a state of autophagy. It is eating itself. So it's almost like you in a fasted state. So one month old age urine or evolved urine. I prefer evolved in the sense, because it's getting better, mm-hmm. it's not getting worse. Mm-hmm. It is you, as, as if you had fasted for a month. Mm. It is a purity of essence. And it is making decisions about what it doesn't want in it, which is why when it has this film or the sediment, some people will drink what's in there. Other people will filter it. I filter it at this point, but I have also experimented with not filtering it. So I know what that tastes like or what that does. And I also think there's a difference between it if you're just starting versus if, if you're in a, you've been doing it for years and years and years, the urine changes. So Mm -hmm. I'll throw that out there too. As it evolves, part of what we understand happens that the stem cells that are in there multiply. Oh. The it's because it's growing and eating and working on itself. So think of fermentation. Mm-hmm. That when you put things in a jar and you create the right situation, fermented food grows in its um help for your microbiome for how your body functions fermented food is thought of as very beneficial to restore the body's healthy bacteria mm-hmm. and when we evolve urine when we leave it alone not only does it become more alkaline and again 
alkalinity is a really helpful thing for the body um, to fight disease. But the negative ion charge goes up exponentially. It is crazy what starts to happen with the amount of electrical charge available to the body when you then put it back in or on your skin or you use it again. So one of the people who's done courses with me Mm-hmm. as a scientist and i love the fact that she tests everything okay and her urine was almost always acidic but one day she left a jar and she tested it when she first you know went to the bathroom and it was acidic lightly i mean acidic enough and she came back let's say you know five six hours later it had already switched over to alkaline mm. oh you mean the jar had switched to hours alkaline. okay interesting her urine in her body it was acidic leaving it alone the urine itself it started its own process of evolving Mm -hmm. and becoming a more potent medicine within hours i want to ask one quick question like how do you get over the part of there's bacteria that's working on the urine, right? Because sometimes we get worried right. about bacteria, good versus bad bacteria. And in general, we don't want to consume bacteria because we are worried that it might cause food poisoning or this or that, right? So urine fresh is, is one thing. But how do you get? How did you get over the, the, the hump of it potentially having some kind of bacteria, which might not be good for your body? How do you reconcile that? Yeah, part of it was watching a lot of other people uh, who I found some urine therapy groups. Okay. And I was following people. Part of it was someone who actually did a little experiment and showed the alkalinity and the um, negative ion charge. And that made sense to me on a scientific level. And now bacteria, there are certain bacteria that can still grow in an alkaline environment. But generally speaking, alkalinity is not a place where bacteria thrive. Okay. And so that clicked for me. That I went, all right, I don't know 100%. There's nothing in here. But they, I remember reading cancer studies that said an alkaline, a higher alkaline diet helps prevent cancer or help people who have cancer because cancer can't thrive in an alkaline environment. So I thought, well, I can test strip my urine and it's alkaline. So what's, what's going to be in there that's going to be bad for me? Plus my urine was just in my body. Is it going to be bad for me? I'll add a story to in this sense that again, it's going back to the urine is trying to help you. And so even people will say, oh, I have a kidney problem. I can't drink my urine. I'm working with somebody right now who has had a kidney, an actual diagnosed kidney problem Mm -hmm. for the last 10 years, started drinking their urine and their kidney function is getting better. Mm. So even the kidney having a problem Putting the urine back in, the urine is helping the kidney. Yeah. I I have had a, a urinary tract infection. And I learned from Martha Christie's book that urea, which is the second, the, the second highest um, element in urine. Urine goes, it's like 95% water yeah. and like two and a half to three percent urea, uric acid. And then the other two and a half to three percent is everything else. Yeah. So it's mostly water. Anyway, urea is bacteriostatic. Urea kills bacteria. And the second highest ingredient in urine is urea. So it's formulated in a way. I didn't say this at the beginning. And it's funny. This is the way our conversation went. Normally, I say these things off the top. Urine is, here's the list. Urine is antibacterial, Mm. 
antiviral, antifungal, antispasmodic, and antiseptic. What is antispasmodic? What does that mean? Um, that would have to do with like muscles and things like that. So if somebody's muscles tended to spasm really? to go into. Yeah. Okay. So the reason I'm saying that is because uh, this my my accountant who's based in Philippines, he's having a lot of issues, like muscle spasms, so to speak. The doctors are unable to figure out what it is. So I was like, at least explore this. I'm not recommending this to you, but educate yourself in this area because if this doctor is not able to help you, not able to figure out, he's like, everything is fine, but she's clearly having an issue. Maybe this might be. And she was like, yeah, right? Yeah. Because a lot of people... In, in in desperation, they're willing to at least look at other options if you know yeah. option A has not worked. So maybe I should I should let her know some more spasmodic. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So and it's and it's yeah, and then it's antiseptic. Yeah. And so people say, well, is urine sterile? Well, there are potentially bacteria in your bladder, in your urethra, or on the outside of your body where the urine exits. Yeah. There could be bacteria there, mm-hmm. but. So it's urine isn't sterile. However, what's the point? What are we asking urine to do? We're asking it not to reinfect us. And so the fact that it's antiseptic means that it's going to help not reinfect us. And it's antibacterial and it's antiviral. One of the examples that I often give, you can't see it because it's not there anymore. But I had burned the inside of my wrist. I was baking Mm. and the oven was at 400 degrees Celsius or 200 degrees um, Celsius. 400 Fahrenheit, 200 Celsius. Yeah. And I was you know, reaching into the oven and I tipped my wrist up and right just that little, little part on the inside of your wrist, that very sensitive skin touched the inside of the oven. Mm-hmm. It blistered immediately. Okay. Be- because I knew at this point what I was doing, I went straight to the bathroom and I put eight, I put evolved urine on it and I bandaged it. And then I kept baking. I couldn't stop baking. I was partway through. I had pain in that part in my wrist for two hours. And after the two hours, I never had pain there again. Mm -hmm. Now, a blistered burn is generally called a second degree burn. And this blistered right away. I kept that covered with a wet bandage with evolved urine on it. And the evolved urine was probably a few months old. Mm -hmm. This is the other thing. Evolved urine is a whole other learning thing. It's very complex. There's lots of details. So if anyone's listening, do some more research on it. Uh, it's really, really interesting, but like the, the urine gets nicer, the oldest, the older it is. So like, I mostly am, am using like one year old urine right now. I'm not using two week old urine. They're very different things. Mm. So just, I, I, I don't want people to think, oh, she said your aging urine was fine. It's two weeks old. This, I, I can't use this. It smells and I'm really worried and like, don't then like, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Re- do a bit more research and learn about it. But anyway, I put this on my wrist. I had it wrapped Basically, for probably two or three days, I I just kept replacing it about every 12 hours. And after that, I would keep it wet at night and I would have it dry during the day. Within two weeks, the the bit on my wrist that had been a blister, it's almost like that skin fell off and underneath it was perfectly beautiful new skin. Mm. It never... uh, The skin never got tight. You know how normally when you get a burn, everything tightens around the burn? And you don't have flexibility in the skin anymore. This never tightened. I didn't lose flexibility. It never got a scab. Mm -hmm. There was no edge to it. Like when when the fresh skin came underneath, you could see a pink line on my wrist. But if you ran your finger over it without looking at my wrist, Mm -hmm. no scab, no line, no scar, no ridge, no bump. Yeah. 
gone. Interesting. And that was aged or evolved urine that I put on a second degree burn. So if we're talking about skin that would be primed for infection. Yeah. That will be it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nothing happened. Right. Other than my skin healed beautifully and you cannot even tell that I had a second degree burn on the inside of my wrist. <laughs> you know, when I was 18, I had a bad uh, road accident because I had some scarring because of which I had some scarring on my, on my nose in particular. And one of the things I'll try to heal is, uh, is, that, is that scar wound, you know, um, and see if Ewald urine might uh, do it for me. But I'll keep everyone posted. Yeah. Sometimes I'll throw this out there for people too. A lot of the people I've worked with, when they first start putting urine on the skin, they will find that old scars will actually come up and get lighter yeah. so they can see them. Yeah. And then they'll go away. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like the body pulls up some level of healing it wasn't able to do at the time. It reworks the, the, the cells yeah. and then it goes away. So if you do put it on and you think, oh, it's getting more visible first, mm -hmm. that's not, that's a very normal thing to have happen. Yeah. It's the ultimate traits of a spiritual practice, right? Because when somebody experiences <laughs> spirituality in the first place, whether it's like breath work or meditation or cold showers, for a moment you feel like things are worse than before. But the truth is you're cleansing, you're, you're cleaning yes. your home and because of which you see the dust show up. But, but in the long yes. run, it's actually good for you, right? So you got to trust the practice yeah. and keep, keep on going. I'd be interested too, because you know so much about breath work, mm -hmm. whether you find that if you do a very charged breath work practice yeah. and then you collect your urine mm -hmm. that has just been part of your body in that yeah. elevated state, yeah. are you going to notice a difference? Or if you consume or rub your body before you do breath work, yeah. does the urine help shift the state? Because it's wonderful for meditation, drinking yeah. urine before meditation, applying it to the third eye, yeah. applying it to the crown of the head. Yeah. Um, if I'm, if I can't focus, mm -hmm. I can drink my urine. It will help me focus. Yeah. If I'm lethargic and have no energy, I can drink it and it gives me energy. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. There's everything is interconnected because uh, when we study yeah. breath work, we, we try to see, we talk about birthing. Birthing is the most traumatic experience, right? Because you're going from a place which is so quiet and silent and placid to, ah, you know, like the yeah. pressure is different. The oxygen levels are different. Now in the womb, we have very little oxygen, right? And so that's why when we hold our breath, we're creating a state of brief intermittent hypoxia that the stem cells love. So the stem cells are normally hidden in the crevices inside the bones. Now, because it's noticing this low level of oxygen for a brief period, the stem cells can get activated and it can go to the different areas that need uh, rejuvenation or cellular repair. So I'm, I'm thinking now, if I'm doing that, if I'm deepening my breathwork practice and doing these brief intermittent hypoxic phases, plus if I'm actually getting stem cells from my urine, plus if I'm having a daily cold shower and really activating myself in that way, it's going to be amazing. I've actually planned this with my friend, my doctor friend that I told you about. We're going to go into the beach in Kits, um, mm -hmm. cold dip. Uh, we're going to do some breath work. Not sure about urine, but 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 maybe at a certain stage, I'm, I'm going to be not just incorporating all of that together 
but just doing it as a group as well. Because then the other piece is when you do something together, you have that shared bond, bonding experience, right? You just feel that deep yeah. level of connection. And then if the sun's out, that's even better, right? Because then you can experience the the charging effect or of sunshine, which we don't get a lot of here in, here in Vancouver. So, you know, to your yeah. point, it's all elemental and wanting to just get closer to nature. The other thing I'm I'm planning to get is I'm not sure if you heard about these grounding shoes where there was a book that uh, free to run I think where it spoke about the idea that uh, the shoes are actually damaging us, you know, like too much of sole. So there are these very thin layer of almost sandals that that yeah. is more natural for your feet but also keeps you closer to the earth. So I'm planning to get a pair of those. It's from a company called Zero Shoes. So I'm planning to buy one of those and then, you know, experiment more. Nice. Yeah. I've been wearing um, uh, shoes. Uh, why can't I think? What's the other thing they're called? Um, earthing? Earth, earth runners? It, uh, well, earthing, but just uh, uh, I, I, the words completely gone out of my head. Okay. Um, but basically, I've been wearing shoes that, that have no sole for about oh, really? eight years. Nice. That are just very, very thin. Right. And it's a German company that I bought mine from, but um, I can't go back either. My feet like to move. Mm. They liked, I like to be able to roll through the whole foot. Um, I also couldn't do cold water. I, I was born on an island. I, I still live on this island. Um, and all last year, I went, I was in the water, yeah. you know, basically the, the Atlantic Ocean yeah. as often as I could yeah. be almost every day. And my body was so happy. Mm-hmm. Also, talk about like using not using as many products i went from being someone who had moisturizers and and creams <laughs> and special sh- this and special that for everything and i really don't own anything i never have a thing of moisture i don't own moisturizer to put in my purse no. uh for example to carry around with me um and if i had if for some reason i ran out of every product that i still do own, like i have an ayurvedic toothpaste yeah. I don't need it. I you can brush my it. teeth with urine. I've done it. I just like using a toothpaste, <laughs> but also sunscreen. Right. Because again, I was taught like, oh, you have such light skin. Mm-hmm. You have to protect yeah. it. I've been putting, uh, before I go out in the sun, I rub my skin with the evolved urine yeah. and I have not had a burn oh, yeah. in a in a number of years. Now, I also don't sit in the sun for three hours, yeah. you know, for no reason, but the the difference in the tone and the quality of my skin, even exposing it to the sun, my now it loves it, yeah. and the urine helps me get closer. My it helps my skin to be able to take the sun yeah. in. So, yeah, I mean, I can't. There's almost no area that I can think of where I wouldn't be able to say there's a benefit that I've seen to using urine, other than people find it weird. Yeah. That's the only thing. Right. So you have to be okay with being a little weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure our listeners are sort of reading between the lines and noticing what we're talking about. We're not just talking about urine right here, but we're talking about personalized frequency medicine. People all around yes. the world are realizing that frequency medicine is much better for them without the side effects like maybe urine therapy, breath work, cold exposure, sound therapy, and earthing. These are things that are, for the most part, free, and they can only do good for you. So if urine is not for you at this point, that's totally fine. Everyone finds their their thing at a certain point, and at least right now, you've been exposed to this idea. And maybe at a certain point, you'll be like, oh, I listened to that podcast, and then that's the right time, right? So everyone's in their own journey. There's no competition, and you don't have to prove anything to anybody. Uh, Megan, 
Are there any other, as we wrap up for today, are there any other practices or hacks or unconventional therapies that you found really useful for you? Um, one thing that happens when you start working with the urine more is you do go more into fasting. And as you've already mentioned, like a three-day fast or a five-day yeah. fast or a 10-day fast. And those those people can think of as being quite edgy. Mm -hmm. um, also, the more you start accepting your... Because accepting your urine is a big piece of accepting yourself. That's true. To drink your urine is to accept yourself exactly as you are in that moment. Mm -hmm. And it is self-love. We talk about self-love. Well, to love yourself fully, you, you're drinking yourself back in. And when you start to do that, you start to also have more awareness of the other things your body produces. So for me, I've also started experimenting with my year, my moon blood or, or period blood, for example, as another uh, thing my skin loves. Okay. So and other people will be drawn to other fluids, like what fluids, sex, sexual fluids that mm -hmm. the body produces that again, we've been told like these are dirty or get rid of them. Yeah. But it's like, well, but they're the most creative things that the body produces. So yeah. there's that. Mm -hmm. I'll just, I'll like, without going into like more details of what that means, but like th that is something that is a more of a hack as well. Mm -hmm. And then I mentioned it at the beginning, but I've worked with this teacher who's actually in British Columbia, Mata Dalian. And her work for me, coupled with urine therapy, but other people don't do urine therapy and still love her, like, and absolutely love her work. That has been the, the fastest, most efficient way that I have ever found to heal my consciousness, to actually become more aware mm -hmm. of who I am and what I'm here to do. And I, you know, we all go on, you, you know, you, you, you found breath work and the power of you know my seven chakras you know because of your own pain and what you were going through i had pain as a teenager in my body and everyone mm. said we can't do anything for you and so here i go traipsing down the holistic health modality train mm -hmm. of and i've tried over 20 modalities over the years mm -hmm. and for me to find something working with mata dali she has a self-healing method and it is the only thing I've ever used that's been permanent. Mm. When I work with her method, the thing I'm working on is permanently shifted. Is she still in oh, BC? And maybe I have to work on it for a while. Yeah, she's still Which in part BC. of BC? Uh, Salt Spring. Salt Spring, okay. Got it. Interesting. Yeah, but she was in Vancouver for a really long time. Okay. Um, and so this is one of those things where now, for me, when I when, the more I understand myself, the more I accept myself the more I can work with my thoughts. I am the observer. I am the one who is watching my breath and the, the in-breath and the out-breath. And I have changed as a person who was very in my head. Now, I'm still somebody who like, I see my people. If you're someone in your head, yeah. I know who I know what's going on in there. Yeah. Um, I can get caught there. But the combination of the urine, mm -hmm. which is physically in the moment, grounding me into who I am, and doing spiritual work that is working meant on the mental, the physical, the emotional, the spiritual levels all at once. When I combine those two things and I look at how many things in my life have gotten better over the last 10 years, mm -hmm. I like those are the things that I have to point to. I can't deny that that's what has helped me yeah. be where I am now. So 
for for people who are you know they want to do something that's going to take them further than they've ever gone those are the places i'm going to point to um meditation is is key breath work is key Mm -hmm. to being a human on this planet yeah and thriving um and once you work with those, you, I, I, most people, I think, get more curious. How do I go deeper? How do, how, now that I've seen mm-hmm. through meditation and breath work that there's more to me, Yeah. how do I do more? So, yeah, thank you for letting me chat about that. Yeah, of course. I mean, I can vouch for a fact that when you change your relationship to urine, there's an energetic shift that takes place because as you can vouch from childhood, we are taught to consider our own product, urine, as disgusting and dirty and, you know, wash your hands and keep yourself away from urine, right? Um, you know, for, for my friends listening, I still do wash my hands after, <laughs> you know, urinating just in case they get weirded out. But there's something to say about some, you know, your own urine and not considering it disgusting anymore because that is part of you. And when you learn to love yourself, then that's that's transformative. So thanks for bringing uh, this to light and sharing your own experience about this ancient, powerful practice of Shivambu, Amaroli, urine therapy, whatever you call it. For somebody who wants to get started, what is the first step that you would recommend they take and how can somebody learn more about you? First step would be to try putting a few drops of your own urine somewhere on your body, whether it's your ankle or your leg or your back of your hand. Make that jump. You know it won't kill you, right? It's not, so just, it's that. It's that, make that first jump. Start experimenting with it. And in terms of research, uh, You've already mentioned it's really easy to find The Water of Life by Jarma Armstrong in the PDF online, Martha Christie's book. Um, and then it's, you know, how how fast or how deep do you want to go? So on my website, I, I'm going to, I have a, a section where I have my the podcast episodes that I've done with people. And those are all out there and they're free. And you can listen to, I mean, I have a certain way of talking. There's other teachers that are absolutely wonderful as well. Dr. Group has a uropathy page so euro like yeah. it starts with you uropathy page and he has some a lot of pdfs mm-hmm. there that you can download the books we've already mentioned for free on dr group's uropathy page um dr say uh dr say, brother sage, sage uh brother sage roth a wonderful uh, educator and facilitator for urine therapy he's been doing this since 1994 um there's more people online who are wonderful uh, there's Monica Schutt, who's a German um, and Colombian woman who shares a lo- has shared a lot of information, um, but she uh, doesn't teach courses or uh, at the moment that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I mean, once you start t- dipping your toe, and you'll find more people. But I would just start really by putting a few drops on somewhere on your body. Notice if you're and do it for a number of days, and notice if your body likes it. Mm-hmm. And I would get a book, get one of the books, and read it. And they're, they're ones you can dip in and out of. At the very least, as you already mentioned, um, this is a tool in your toolkit. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not your, maybe it doesn't become a lifestyle. It doesn't have to be. But if you know it's there, at some point in your life, you'll think, oh, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. You know, I just burned my arm. What can I do? Yeah. Or this other thing just happened. What can I do? 
and you'll know. So I had no idea it would be a lifestyle and that I would become an educator and a facilitator of this sort of a practice guiding people with it. But I, I really, if, I think you're called to it mm-hmm. if it really is that the sort of thing you have to do. And otherwise, as I said, it's a tool. It's another thing. It's like knowing about breath work. It's something you can go, I don't feel great. How do I shift my energy? Right. Here's one of the tools. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope that either you're fired up and you're ready to try this um, or you're intrigued or curious. But thank for anyone who made it to the end with us, thank you for sticking it out. And thank you to Aditya for inviting me and for, you know, being open and for trying it and for after a month being willing to jump in a little deeper Yeah, yeah. to the, <laughs> the world of Shivambu. So it was an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And if you, I, I'd be happy to do it again. If, for, if let's see how your, your listeners mm-hmm. respond, but yeah. Um, Whenever run out of stuff to connect with this. So Yeah, exactly. And the funny thing is I've also interviewed Dr. Group before and Kate Stillman as well. So it'll be yeah. interesting to hear from their perspective and see what they have to share about urotherapy. So everybody, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you learned a lot from it. I hope you have now a new perspective on something that is free and sometimes that something that you produce every day. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, feedback, reach out to me uh, at, on my email, aj at my 7 or just DM me at my 7 or Instagram. I want this to be a conversation. And I know that the people who are going to get um, interested about this are the ones that typically listen to this podcast. They are the, you know, renegades and the people that want to think differently and think out of the box. So thanks for your attention. And I hope you have a nice day. Thank you for listening to My 7 Chakras at my7chakras.com. That is my, S-E-V-E-N, chakras.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.